Welcome back to Trending in Education. Uh, Mike Palmer here with uh, with a very special guest. Uh, we have Andy Tempty, the president of Kaplan Professional, who's been uh, involved in uh, professional education for for many years, and uh, would like to welcome uh, Andy to the show. Welcome. Uh, well, thank Thank you very much. And Glad uh, to be here. yeah, and. Uh, I think when we were when we were prepping, you were saying that you began working in this sort of educational space uh, back in the 20th century. Uh, <laughs> in uh, I believe you said back in the 1990s, and uh, and you've stayed in the space really over the past uh, 30 uh, 30 ish years. Ish. Um, yeah. Uh, what what's the best way to understand what you do and sort of what your what your your history is in uh, in the educational uh, universe? Well, I'll take a bit of a circuitous approach here. Back in 1990, when I started uh, in in professional education, I was a graduate student at the University of Iowa, mm -hmm. and uh, my mentor Carl Swayzer was the chair of the finance department, and he wanted to start a little business called the Swayzer Study Program for the Charter Financial Analyst Exam. Uh -huh. And I, I just loved that kind of teaching. He, he asked me to get involved and, and help him grow the business. And that kind of teaching was so incredibly satisfying because unlike the college classrooms that I was teaching as a, as a graduate student, mm -hmm. everybody, in the classrooms that were start, studying to be chartered financial analysts, everybody was committed to what they were doing. There was nobody in the back of the room reading the USA Today, yep. the physical print copy. Remember, this is 1990. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, everybody's just on the edge of their seat. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, wow, what a, what a phenomenal uh, uh, teaching experience this is. Right. So that's how I got my start. And over the years, we built the business, we grew, more, more products came into the portfolio, different modalities, different ways of teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, the internet with a capital I was right. uh, really starting to come in, into its own mm -hmm. online programs right. at, to the point where today, uh, having been purchased by Kaplan in 99, uh, today we're, I'm, I'm managing a very large, very diverse uh, portfolio of professional education assets. Yeah, and, uh, and through that process, I guess you, uh, you started to sort of come into your own as, uh, as a thought leader and as someone who uh, maybe uh, started to understand trends in, in new ways. And, uh, you know, I was struck by, uh, by some of the, the posts that I saw you uh, put out on LinkedIn uh, you know, talking about what you've learned and, uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's plenty of wisdom, I think, to be had in a career arc like yours. Um, what, what's the best way to, to start getting at some of those ideas or some of those themes that, uh, that maybe have emerged having spent uh, really a full career uh, in, in the education, in uh, professional education, um, maybe maybe we could begin uh, a bit by just talking about what what do we mean by professional education and um, you know what's who who do you typically think about educating and 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 maybe sort of expand from there. Yeah, so professional education as a discipline has really evolved in in the last thirty years. The concept of professional education thirty years ago was. Uh, 
you, you wanted to get a real estate license or you needed a securities license or something like that. You're going into brokerage mm -hmm. and, you know, professional education was something that a traditional educator didn't want to spend their time doing. Mm -hmm. So it was training for a specific exam uh, or, or, or a particular set of skills and competencies that were very job focused. That's what professional education was. And then there was a real divide, uh, you know, 30 years ago uh, between uh, traditional, the traditional educators, finance professors, et cetera, mm -hmm. deans of uh, business schools and professional educators. Uh, the dean of a business school would say, oh, professional education, that's something that they do over there in the extension program right. or, or the, those folks in, in these uh, companies like, like Kaplan Professional. Mm -hmm. And the, the beauty of where we are today is that that conversation has changed tremendously over over that 30 years mm -hmm. those same deans of those same business schools are now have much more open minds about stackable credentials and the value that uh, that various uh, various credentials have as an add-on or a dish or an addition to the, the the university degree right so the conversation's a lot different and the 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 piece about being me you use the word wisdom. Uh, wisdom is just the accumulation of knowledge over an extended period of time that starts to make more and more sense as you as you get older. Right. Uh, so so that's the way I, I like to think about it. And I and I like to think that we're just getting started. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the bummer about being where I am in my career arc. I'm 55 years old, and I I I feel like I'm 31. Yeah. But you look fantastic. Uh, I just want to let you know. Well, for those of you at home. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a podcast, so why not, right? <laughs> I, I have a, I have a, a face for radio. But anyway, the, 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 the point being that we're, we're now just in professional education and in traditional education. Mm -hmm. We're now just starting to put the pieces together that the behavioral side of 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 what it means to be an employee mm -hmm. and to add value in the workplace the behavioral side is really starting to join up with the technical side mm -hmm. because 30 years ago 20 years ago even 10 years ago professional education was all about technical training yep. can you you know are are you good a good accountant and how do you evidence that right. you evidence that with the cpa credential are you a good wealth manager that is the cfp credential etc cetera, etc cetera. and those were the signals right. of quality that you would send to an employer mm -hmm. today the technical still matters right but let's you know let's be real the technical is starting to be taken by computers that are starting to be able to think mm -hmm. so we can program for a, a lot of the technical aspects of people's jobs and it's becoming very evident to me and mm -hmm. to a lot of other people that it's the blend of the behavioral and technical yep. that will ensure the 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 that that the human beings, the carbon-based units of yes. the future will be relevant in the world of work. Right, right. And that's a theme, like we talk about the, the future of work uh, pretty regularly on this show. And uh, we, uh, we like to joke about, uh, you know, the, the advent of artificial intelligence and how, uh, you know, uh, 
it's, uh, it's, its impact is going to be profound in the next, say, five to 10 years. Um, but um, you, you, I thought, did a nice job in many of the, 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 the blog posts that I saw, I, I think, personalizing through your own uh, experience uh, some of the epiphanies and insights you had over time, where uh, maybe earlier in your career, uh, you were very much uh, thinking in line with uh, the early thinking in professional uh, career development, which is, I'm going to master these technical skills. And when they're talking like the, the sort of fuzzier, softer skill stuff, maybe a little bit of an eye roll, maybe not as plugged in uh, early in your uh, professional career. And then it it feels as though, uh, you know, based on, on what I've read from you, like there were a series of epiphanies maybe over the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years where uh, maybe your orientation uh, started to shift. And I was just wondering um, how much of that was uh, based on your personal experiences versus uh, more just a growing awareness of how, how the world is changing. You know, maybe put differently, was it really more relevant when you were younger to, to really focus on those skills? And since the world has changed, it's now more about being behavioral or is it more that, uh, you know, the orientation towards being behavioral is really critical to your success. Cause, cause I have seen you almost, uh, get a little wistful about had you only focused on the more behavioral, uh, emotional intelligence, softer skill stuff sooner, you, it's almost as though you, you, you understand how much further you would have been able to go. Yeah, I would have been a lot farther along. Uh, you know, I'm, we, 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 we don't have time for it here, but I'm, you know, I'm a high school dropout. I, I've taken a really interesting road to where I am, mm -hmm. not recommended, uh, by the way, but, uh, but when, when I entered college for the first time kind of properly, mm -hmm. I was focused on uh, making money and establishing my, myself on a, on a career arc. And the way that I was both coached and mentally or logic my way through that was, let's go get some technical skills. Let's get the technical skills that will make me relevant in the, in the jobs that, uh, that make sense for, for me. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I had these visions of what was happening down the hall in the business school, mm -hmm. uh, in the management and organizations department. What in the hell are they doing over there? They're, they're sitting there, arms yeah. uh, locked, singing kumbaya. Trust falls and yeah, rope, ropes courses, all, the, know, all that, yeah. Oh my goodness, what, what on earth, how on earth can that have uh, value in, in the workplace? I'm, I'm gonna get a finance, well, I started as an economics uh, major, but the econ folks don't make any money. So not that making money is the only thing. Sure. But, you know, went into finance uh, and really focused on, on the technical skills. And when I started to lead people, mm -hmm. uh, it took me far too long to figure out that simply tossing people with great technical skills into the deep end of the pool mm -hmm. and expecting them to come out the other side with great work product and great teamwork skills, that that, that was that that was failing miserably because I just had kind of project after project. Uh, especially the 
the, the new things, the innovative things that we were trying to get done that, we, that folks were just uh, blocking and, uh, and, and really not, uh, the, the fact that we, we didn't have great behavioral skills, that's the enabler, that's the oil that makes, uh, that, that makes those teams really sing. And I just, you know, look, we, we were managing really successful businesses, so we were highly profitable, we had, uh, we had great revenue trajectory, but it was only at the time, that inflection point where things got a lot more complicated mm -hmm. and the and the organization started to need to be matrixed and you yes. have to move outside of your silo uh -huh. and up and down and across and that was that was when it, the the light bulbs really started to go off mm -hmm. that great technical skills deep end of the pool folks were drowning as right. a result right right and then um and you talk a lot about, uh, you know, the importance of, uh, of leadership, I guess, and, uh, and how uh, maybe you've evolved over the course of your career uh, to maybe mature out of thinking about your contribution as being primarily your technical capabilities or your the skills that you developed maybe early in your career and more into uh, leading other humans uh, and then also, uh, in some ways, like giving back and sort of identifying talent early and trying to get the message out to folks early in their careers about how, um, how the world is changing and how these uh, sort of disruptive technologies and, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, all the things that we're talking about are going to sort of accelerate some of the changes you've noticed over the course of, of your career. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, about the importance of, uh, of mentorship and, uh, and uh, you know, trying to help uh, the emerging generations understand how to navigate what's going to be a very complicated um, and changing landscape in, say, like the next five to ten years? Yeah, I Look, I I was uh, I I really had a hard a hard time with it, with this because I was one of those kids in school who uh, if a team project was going on, it was yeah you guys are doing a really great job here, but uh, you're all really not cutting the mustard, so I'm I'm going to take over, uh -huh. and I would then share the A or the B plus or whatever we got with everybody else, and that that helped when 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 our companies were small, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of benevolent dictatorship model yep. worked really quite well mm -hmm. uh, because every you know the the phrase Andy said right. was very famous in in the company, and and nothing happened without going. Uh, through through me, right. and if you want to stay small, mm -hmm. that that really works. But if you have any aspiration to get large, or the the difference today versus fifteen twenty years ago, partnerships with other companies and taking the assets and resources that you don't fully own yourself, right. and weaving those into the value proposition. That becomes that's an incredibly important part of business today mm -hmm. versus you could have a much more vertical stack mm -hmm. uh, in 
in, 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 in the old days, but with the complexity of systems and technologies, you just can't know it all, it all yourself. So you have to rely on others. You have to rely on team members that are smarter than you. So developing, again, developing those behavioral skills, mm -hmm. being a great team player, being a great communicator, mm -hmm. all these things sound so simple, mm -hmm. but they're incredibly hard to implement in practice because you have guys like me who both from a personality perspective, I, I am wired from a DNA perspective to be that guy that takes the project, yep. does it himself. Mm -hmm. And so you, there's all sorts of leaders out there like me that need to make that transition. Right. And the point you were driving at is, had I recognized to make that transition earlier in my career, mm -hmm. and if I could be a mentor through the thought leadership, through this podcast, sure. if I can touch one gal right. who's in her late 20s, right who functions just a little bit like I do right. and and we can turn that light bulb on in her right. to be more inclusive mm -hmm. to be have more diversity to have that ability to bring in partnerships that young lady is going to be way more successful and have way fewer blockers that than I did yep. and and if we if we do that today then yay success right right exactly and then you know, I, I was also struck by uh, your, uh, your you, you kept coming back to a theme that we talk about regularly on the show, which is the importance of lifelong learning uh, and uh, how maybe that was also another um, uh, growth or evolution in your own thinking where maybe early in your career, it was more transactional. How do I get my degree? Did I do what I needed to get my schooling done? great, I got what I needed, I got my degree, now I'm going to go out and do my job. And, uh, and at the time, you thought maybe you were set. But then as you sort of, uh, as the world continues uh, beyond your maybe your formal education, informal education, and continuing to upskill, continuing to, you know, sense where the puck is going so that you're out ahead of things. That's really a lifelong endeavor and uh it really never stops and uh i, I definitely got that from you but uh, but can you maybe flesh that out a little more and uh and just maybe tell that through through your own perspective yeah so you know the skills gap mm -hmm. talked about everywhere by virtually everybody and everybody's got a def different definition of the skills gap uh meaning employers are having a difficult time finding the people that uh, today can, uh, can, can, can do, do, perform those job competencies and skills. The thing that is the most troubling for me in terms of being able to solve that skills gap is to unwind it all the way back to uh, when, when our, our young people are just getting started and just getting introduced to, to the world of work mm -hmm. and they're in their education. So you're in the fifth grade or you're in the seventh grade. And unfortunately, the mental model that we have now and many parents have is that you will somehow be done with your education. Yep. Come on, Billy, just hang in there for two more years mm -hmm. and you'll graduate high school and it'll all be okay. Right. And you'll go out and get a job and, 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 and your, your life will be set. That is 
history. Right. That is that is just done. And we need parents and mentors and teachers at a very early age to start instilling this concept of lifelong learning mm -hmm. in, into our children. Because I certainly grew up thinking that my education was going to be somehow done. Mm -hmm. And that I was, I kept leveling up, you know, undergrad, master's, PhD, but I was pretty confident that after PhD that that, that was that, that was gonna be that was gonna be it. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, charter financial analyst. And then, oh, I'm running this this uh, this big company and we need to grow. And so I need all these behavioral skills. It took me far too long mm -hmm. to to recognize that lifelong learning was 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 just going to be part of the of the equation for success in the future mm -hmm. and now you have this problem where um if any listeners are uh, physics uh, uh astrophysical geeks yeah you know you have this ex you have the concept of the expanding and accelerating universe yes so the expansion and the acceleration is the distance then the uh, if you're thinking about dark energy, think about technology and the acceleration of techno technological capabilities and artificial intelligence as this kind of invisible dark energy force mm -hmm. that's pushing job skills and job uh, capabilities out farther and farther, making it more difficult to uh, keep up with what's going on mm -hmm. from an education perspective. Yep. So if you have the mental model that somehow your education is done, right. and you're being taught that by a mentor or your mom and dad are saying that or a teacher is somehow saying that, yeah. you are just screwed. I'm right. sorry. Right. Because this, this ever expanding and accelerating universe of skills and capabilities yeah. is going to leave you in the dust. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, maybe uh, those of us who are a little older uh, benefited from uh, the rate of acceleration not being so great. So if we took a couple, <laughs> took a couple years off and uh, tried some different stuff and maybe weren't focused on lifelong learning, uh, there was more of an opportunity to catch up. Now, I, while I, I still think there's some benefit to like the gap year and, you know, not being so heads down, even if you're traveling the world or, uh, you know, you're, you're forming a band, you know, which, uh, which I do want to talk a little bit about your band because I love the name at least. But, um, you know, even in those exercises, if you stay conscious to the fact that you're always learning, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be in a structured, credential-bearing, formal context. Like, there are opportunities to learn everywhere and all the time. And uh, can we talk a little bit about the your band? Yeah, absolutely. But before we go there, just, uh, you know, think about government retraining programs for, for a second. Yep. Um, some disruption happens in the market. And, uh, and all of a sudden, these people are out of a job. It is so painful for those individuals to think about getting reskilled, upskill, and retrained because they were taught at an early age that education is episodic mm -hmm. at best and uh, at worst ends. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I got to go back to school. Mm -hmm. 
if we change that conversation so that it's natural mm -hmm. to get reskilled, upskilled, so that when the next disruption happens, uh, government retraining programs become less costly they, mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's just part of who we are as a society to, to continue to reskill and retrain. Mm -hmm. So now we can talk about the band. Well, I'll get to the band too, but just kind of just kind of building <laughs> building on your thought though, like like it's almost. It, it can feel very uh, terrifying, and uh, and you know, uh, folks can feel kind of helpless or like they're like they can't keep up. But I feel like you're right in that, like if the mindset can shift, and particularly if it can shift at an early age, it's actually a very life affirming uh, mindset to say you never stop learning, and every interaction, every moment when you're conscious is an opportunity to learn. So for example, if you're performing in your band, that's an opportunity uh, to learn. So uh, can, can we talk just briefly about your band? Like what's the, the band's name? As someone who's been in test prep for many, many years, and I love me some math, uh, I don't know if that's the actual origin story of your band name, but, uh, but can, can, can we talk about your band and, and how it came into being and how it's been... Uh, something you've also been doing for quite some time, right? Like you, this, you've been in music really uh, throughout your, uh, really throughout your life, I guess, right? Yeah, my, my mom is an organist. She can play, she's amazing. She can play with both hands and both feet simultaneously. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just unbelievable to watch. Uh, so I, I, I come by it honestly, um, singing at a very, very early age. Uh, but the, uh, you know, this, 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 I, I, I said before that I dropped out of high school. I dropped out of high school to go be a rock star. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a recommended path because right. that's a really, really hard thing to go do. Right. Um, as, uh, you know, especially in the, in the early 1980s when, uh, when we gave it a go. You know, we traveled around and we had a lot of fun and sure. drank a lot of really bad beer and yeah. uh, thought, thought that we were rock stars. But, um, but uh, very early at age 21, the voice of my father's in the back of my head going, get an education, get an education, get an education. So went, went, went back to school. Uh, 20 years transpire between that and getting and restarting the band. Uh, but the, the band itself is uh, the, the name of the leftovers was taken. Uh -huh. uh, but the it was supposed to be one gig and one gig only, which was the 25th class reunion of the class of 1978. Okay. And, and that was supposed to be it. Uh -huh. And it was called the remainders because these were the remainders or the leftovers yeah. of the class of 1978 that could actually still sing and, um, and, and whatnot. So, so um, m my sister was actually the original lead singer. Okay. Because she's class of 78. I was, I was theoretically class of 82. Sure. Uh, but she was already in three bands, didn't want to any, have anything to do with it. And I was in my early 40s going, hey, this would be a lot of fun to get back involved. Yeah. And so we uh, we pivoted to musical philanthropy. Okay. And rock and roll is a way for me and everybody else, we're all professionals in the band, to keep our head screwed on straight, straight yep. uh, frankly. And, and it's a great outlet and a great way to... Uh, 
uh, to keep sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, our bass player is a, a head and neck surgeon under a great deal of stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. And the just the sheer joy that I see on his face when we've got a thousand people in front of us and we got the big lights and the big stage and, and uh, you know, cranking out a Brian Adams tune or <laughs> Van Halen or something like that. Uh, it, it's, it, it's just incredible. So if we do anything else today mm-hmm. in terms of impacting your, your listenership yeah, here, yeah. it's that when I interview people for high profile jobs at Kaplan Professional, yep. that question of what do you do outside the office? Mm-hmm. What makes you tick, not at work? Right. And if somebody tells me, or if they hem and haw on that, and they really don't have an answer, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, you're you're out. Right. Because you've got to have that passion, mm-hmm. that thing that drives you outside the office. Yep. And yes, it can. The an answer is yes. The kids are what sure. make make me tick. Sure. That is an answer. Right. But it's a transitory answer. Mm-hmm. It is not. Uh, it is not a lifelong passion. Right. Because your kids, you know, they get older and they move on and they have kids of their own. And For all sure. of a sudden, you don't want to be stuck at age 50 or so looking at your wife or your spouse or significant other going, oh, my gosh, what do we do now? Right. Right. So and and that passion, whatever it is, doesn't have to be a rock band. It could be knitting. It could be it yeah. could be all sorts of things. It could be writing. But but do it. Right. And, and immerse yourself in it because work is not everything. Mm-hmm. And you will have much healthier employees, much healthier coworkers if they are, if they're engaged in something like, like we're doing as the remainders. Right. And it's the remainders are five. So our logo is like the, like you would do long division. Okay, good. Cause I, I immediately, when I heard remainders, I went to long division because oh, yeah. that's how long, I, that's how division. I roll. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Long division. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it sounds like it also makes you a better leader and a better mentor in that you have a broader range of experiences beyond your, just your professional persona. You're actually able to tap into this broader. I've, I saw this also, you know, you posted about, Boating and uh, and uh, cars and like it just seems like you have a pretty broad set of interests that are outside of your uh, your professional responsibilities. But then it also seems like you're able to draw from those experiences to then um, help teach others, uh, whether it's about the future of work or about uh, you know workplace transformation or or mentorship. Or even if it's analogizing to these other domains where you have uh, deeper knowledge, I did see you talk a little bit also about learning transfer, which is something that uh, that we've talked about on the show as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of learning transfer and how um, how it relates to the future of work and how uh, and really lifelong learning in a lot of ways, where um, you know in some ways you have the hooks built when you learn something and then you can tie new learnings to those hooks as you try to expand your skills. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. What you're, what you're hitting on is what I term the Holy grail of corporate education uh, today. 
literally millions and millions of dollars are spent every year on corporate education, both uh, both inside the firm and sending folks off to seminars, et cetera, mm -hmm. in, under the guise of personal development and learning new technical skills, et cetera. The concept of measuring the attainment and uh, of those skills through and over time and embedding those new skills into the workplace, that's the whole, that's this holy grail mm -hmm. because, you know, I've, I've done it, you've done it. We've all sent team members off to mm -hmm. this leadership conference or, or that technical seminar. And the vast majority of it is peed away because there's no reinforcement uh, post learning and there's no real great way to measure mm -hmm. over time the stickiness and the efficacy of, of, the, of that learning. Right. Colleges and universities don't do it. Oh, here's your degree, Mr. Right. Palmer. And, uh, and thank you very much for playing. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no measurement of that degree and the application and efficacy of that in the workplace right. uh, post. You know, there, there's some kind of head, there's some hat tipping to, to, to that um, a, a little bit, but nobody is really good at this and we've got to get really good at it very quickly here over the next five to 10 years yeah. because of this rapid reskilling and retraining and the fact that these retraining periods get, are going to get compressed. So if, if you need, if your job changes and you need to reskill in the workforce, you need to do that in the shortest period of time possible. Right and get back into the workforce as quickly as possible and be able to prove that what you learned mm -hmm. that, that you're going to be able to, to do a great job of it. Right. And, and that's where, you know, Kaplan professional will be investing resources. There mm -hmm. are a number of other firms that are really making a good effort at this, Yep. but, but th this is the, you know, in terms of trending in education and your podcast well if you if you meet somebody that uh that claims to have this figured out a i want to meet them yeah. <laughs> and b i want to hire them yeah 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 for sure i i uh, recently finished uh ray dalio's book uh principles which was great and he talked about um sort of the hierarchy of uh at the most basic level when you're hiring someone you want to make sure that your values are aligned yep. and you want to hire for values first Second level was uh, abilities, and then the third level was skills, which is almost you know flipping the technical orientation that you were talking about earlier, where yeah. rather that because the skills we learn today, I mean, you and I have been professionals for for several years now, and like the skills that we learned in the '90s, for example. Um, the actual ability to do wonderful things in uh, in office, you know, two thousand or in uh, Word Perfect. Word Perfect, <laughs> exactly. My Word Perfect <laughs> skills were on point, but uh, but those those skills are now no longer relevant. But there was some fundamental understanding that we developed there, and we also developed sort of confidence in ourselves and our ability to develop new skills just in time so that we could meet the needs uh, maybe 20 years ago. That's, that broader story hasn't really changed, except that the number of new skills that are emerging is accelerating. That whole, uh, your big, I'm coming back to your big bang, big bang metaphor from before, like the, 
the universe of learning is expanding uh, and uh, you know, how do you keep up? Like what's the best way? Yeah. Uh, and without checking out too, because I, f- I feel like um, one thing we talk about a lot is uh, really maintaining that hunger and that curiosity throughout your life. Because I think uh, I get frustrated with my peers and colleagues, you know, maybe later on in, in, in their lives or their professional careers who are just like, oh, it's too late. You know, like if only I'd focused on the internet back in the 90s, you know, maybe I would have been able to keep up. But instead, you know, like, what do you, like, I just don't even understand that mentality, you know, like, cause uh, there's so much value that can be drawn from all of us if we just are open to continuing to develop new skills. Um, I do think there probably are some challenges around how skill development and skills trainings are perceived. And um, I'm sure that's something you've probably had some experience with as well. Like, generally speaking, the, the perception of, uh, of corporate training is, is a mixed bag at best, right? Like a lot of folks feel like oh, compliance training, HR, um, you know, sexual harassment training, those kinds of things. Um, how, how do we keep it, keep it engaging in a world where like rich media experiences are continuing to uh, really revolutionize how we think about attention and immersion? Um, how does that relate to uh, to corporate uh, corporate training and professional skill development? Well, the, the word embedding, and I think I used it or once already in in this, but the the experiential nature of the learning in in corporate education, you you have to be able to go back nearly immediately and apply the the learning at work Mm -hmm. and i'm uh, i'm not taking us off track here but it's a it's an example uh we're on a lean and continuous improvement journey yep uh, at kaplan professional and there's concept of uh kaizen event sure right and you get a whole bunch of people together and you're trying to solve a particular challenge and at least theoretically for a kaizen event you do a lot of work, you learn a lot of, and establish a new process, and then you all get up from the Kaizen event and you go back to work and you start doing it that way. Yep. You inject the learning into the work environment immediately. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then, you know, entropy kicks in and nothing happens yeah. and folks go back to the business as usual and folks scratch their heads. Well, why didn't that Kaizen event work? Mm-hmm. Well, to really do it quote unquote, right. It's embedding the learning n- nearly immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we have to do much more of. We will all be much happier with the return on educational investment of our, the, the tens and hundreds and billions of dollars we're spending on, uh, corporate education, if we get a lot better at embedding the learning. And and what that's going to entail is having the business folks treat the L&D department as partners mm-hmm. and not as, oh, geez, I got to send my folks over to the L&D department and they're going to do whatever. Right. And then they're going to come back and they're going to theoretically be smarter, but what am I going to do with this? Right. And it just takes a little more planning and a little more foresight of what's the purpose of this learning and what are we going to do with it afterwards? And how are we going to change our behaviors after the learning 
has occurred. Yeah. That's yeah. the key. Yeah, I love I love the systems thinking that that you're sort of applying to uh, corporate training and then also uh, just the analogy of uh, chaos theory and uh, the the fact that entropy uh, is always there, which uh, I, I, I thought I got a lot out of that analogy that, that you put out there and you just referred to it now, but it's also almost the way our memory works too. Like, like whatever skills I developed, whatever I trained on, unless it's embedded and I'm continuing to have to almost like fight against that entropy, fight against that memory loss, that forgetting curve, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like the gritty side of lifelong learning is like, you got to continue to fight the good fight and you have to kind of keep that, uh, keep that resilience and that fire in the belly to, 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 to stay diligent. Right. I mean, like that's something I'm sort of hearing and again, I'm kind of immersed in your blog post. So like, if I start sounding like you, uh, it's because I, I did some prep heading in. But, uh, but does that sound right to you? I mean, because I was yeah. kind of picking up on that from, from your writings. Yeah, not to get too existential here, but that's the, that's the miracle that is life. Mm -hmm. Life exists to fight chaos and disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I can't, I, can't I, I wish I had the, 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 the guy or gal that, 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 that I got that quote from off the top of my head. Yep. But that, that was just so profound to me that I exist as a human being to fight disorder, chaos, and entropy, because without it, things just fall. Yeah. They, they just, they just fall. That's without the default. Life, yeah. Without life fighting against that, mm. life as a plant, life in numerous forms. Yeah then we're, we're no way. And, and I use the word miracle because that's where I don't, you know, whether you believe in God or you don't, right. there, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I didn't expect to get uh, this far into uh, far like, deep. like into like existential. That's why I'm glad I, I, I knew I got a good guest if, if we landed in uh, existential philosophy towards the that, end of a conversation. Right. But um, this has been wonderful. I'm trying to think what else uh, to talk about. Maybe, um, you know, we talked about five to 10 years as someone who's uh, sort of deeply immersed in uh, the current state of play and uh, with good perspective on the past. Um, which of the disruptors that are sort of ch changing the, the makeup of the workplace in the 21st century are, uh, are you tracking most, uh, most avidly and do you think is going to be the most relevant to our listeners and say the the near term, maybe like the next uh, three to five years, as opposed to, you know, about 10 years from now, who knows what's going on. Yeah. But like, but if you're just saying, which things are really disrupting the current state the most, and, uh, and then maybe we could close with any other, uh, any other parting, uh, parting gems, but, uh, but I'm just sort of curious, uh, right now, uh, as someone who's kind of uh, closest to this stuff, um, what are what are the new technologies, the new disruptors in the space that uh, that we should be paying the most attention to? Well, the, it's it's now becoming old and tired, uh, and I, uh, you know I, I could sit here and say artificial intelligence, but uh, at a level above that, it's the machines plus humans formula. Yes, that we really need to be paying attention to, and what I mean by that is how are humans going to work with machines yep. to build the 
are our collective future. Mm -hmm. If we're fighting against machines, then I don't think we get a whole lot of anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we approach artificial intelligence in its current, you know, very dumb forms, mm -hmm. and they'll get smarter and smarter yeah. over the quiet, next three Quiet, quiet, they're listening, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know, yeah. It, but, but if we approach it as uh, my job is going to shift and change such that I'm working with machines mm -hmm. and I'm not terrified or afraid of what machines are going to do to me, but instead, what can I be doing mm -hmm. with machines to make my value proposition better, yeah. to increase the, uh, the, the price of my to augment the, my, my products so I can, so I can get more revenue and have sure. more operating income. You know, those, those are the, that's the way that, that I would recommend that humans really start thinking about this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're going to have to get incrementally smarter. Yes. You're going to have to become a lifelong learner. Yes. You're going to have to continually reskill right. once you get past that hump and then start thinking of machines as your partner right. to a brighter future, then uh, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I just heard a podcast uh, earlier today where they were talking about the distinction between AI and IA. So IA as intelligence augmented. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea that human intelligence can actually be enhanced th through technology and artificial intelligence, intelligent agents, um, in many ways, you know, going all the way back to the word perfect days and before, you know, we have been co-evolving with technology uh, for, for thousands of years. And in particular, for maybe the last, you know, say 100, uh, the amount of technical, technical technology innovation that we've been assimilating is really, you know, awe-inspiring if you ever take a moment to think about it. But we're so busy, like, yeah. trying to keep up that we almost uh, lose track of the fact that we, we have been blending with external intelligences and technology in really profound ways. If you think about the internet and, you know, Wikipedia and how like everything is just a Google search away and now they're becoming voice searches. It's amazing stuff, you know, but uh, uh, I like the council too, to just um, almost get over your own, uh, uh, fears and uh, maybe even arguably some healthy paranoias and then realize that the way to be more fully human is to sort of lean in to the changes that are emerging rather than, uh, you know, nobly fight independent of, uh, of these technical capabilities. Yeah, look, I can, I can throw up my arms and say I give up and, uh, and all, the, my phone knows more about the history and the human race and all the knowledge and capabilities that I could ever want to know. So I'm going to stop learning because it just doesn't matter. Right. Those people are going to get rolled over. Right. It's the folks who say, no, different attitude. I, I, I can never keep up with the, with the acceleration of the total knowledge of, of the human race, not right. gonna happen. Right. But I can specialize and I can focus and I can learn and I can learn how to use these new technologies to make me a better human being, to make me a better coworker, and ultimately my product and service better so that my, my business stays healthy, I stay healthy as a human being, so. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Andy Tempty, uh, our guest today, president of uh, Kaplan Professional, 
wonderful conversation. I'd love to get you back on uh, the show more in the future. Any, uh, any parting, uh, parting gems of wisdom? Any, uh, any, uh, do you want to hum a few bars of uh, Brian Adams tune? Uh, any, uh, anything that, uh, that just sort of puts a bow on top of uh, our conversation today? Uh, just rock on. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, for our listeners, uh, that'll be a wrap for today's show. Uh, it's trending in education. Mike Palmer here uh, with with Andy Tempty. Uh, thanks again for listening. <laughs>